This is Into the Absurd, episode number 17 with Mike Silvio. He has traveled the entire world to all seven continents. And in fact, he's ran a marathon on all seven continents, which, I mean, I can barely run seven miles. So <laughs> that is a huge feat. So how... Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on. And how... So how is... Uh, all this been how has it been traveling the world um you know yeah it's it's been great you know it's uh i guess it's one of those goals you work on and um while you're working on it and and when you start it it seems a bit overwhelming and then once you do it you're like oh you know it's it's done what you know what do you move on to um but it's great to sometimes stop and reflect on what a great experience it was and uh, how grateful I am, you know, that I started running and all the things that uh, all the the health benefits and, and um, you know, all the good that came from it over the years. And uh, it's been just a fantastic journey. And now I'm, you know, looking for where do I go next, especially during COVID, you want to get back out and get back on the road and travel again. Yeah. So what, so how did you get into it? Well, so I was, I was always, you know, kind of a runner. Uh, I ran in high school, uh, like a lot of people do, you know, cross country and track. And I was never, I was never the top guy. I was usually, you know, the number three, number four guy, or, you know, kind of in in the mix. Um, But I always appreciated it. And then uh, during my twenties, um, I really didn't run much at all. I worked as a musician um, for the most part. Uh, and so I, I wasn't real active during that period of my life. And, um, and uh, then uh, you get older and you're, you know, you start to, you know, have different issues and, and, you know, and, and I was you know, a little heavy and I became uh, diabetic. So I was adult onset, you know, diabetes and, um and that's, you know, one of the things that drove me into a more active lifestyle. And uh, in 2009, you know, the, the, the first, you know, the big recession hit in 09. And, um, you know, you know, we're all taking pay cuts here in Detroit. Automotive is very cyclical in nature. Um, I work in the auto industry and we all took, you know, 10% pay cuts and some people worse than that and, and were affected. And so uh, to offset that kind of loss of income, uh, I quit playing golf and bought a pair of running shoes. And I really started to take running seriously. And, um, you know, it was great. You know, I, I, you know, I spent, you know, the better part of five years, you know, you know, kind of pursuing that goal of running, uh, you know, around the world and running these marathons, but it was, uh, you know, you know, a combination of, I knew I had to exercise because of the diabetes. I knew I had to get active but I'm the kind of person that needs a big goal, right? And so having that goal um, was just a way for me to focus on the long term of, you know, getting out every day and running and putting in the miles. And, um, you know, probably during that period of time, I ran probably about 7,000 miles, you know, when I was, you know, really, you know, training for all these marathons. Now I, you know, I'll do, you know, with COVID, I haven't, um, run any, you know, I, last marathon I ran was in the, um, was fall of 2019 because everything was shut down last year. 
Um, but I was running one or one or two marathons a year and traveling, um, you know, as much as I could to run. And um, it was just a, you know, it was a great journey, but uh, 7,000 miles does take its toll uh, on you from a time standpoint, but from a health standpoint, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, you just have to do all the right things to protect yourself. Um, so that was, you know, really, um, you know, a big part of starting was just, you know, I knew that golf wasn't very healthy and running was and running, I thought was going to be inexpensive. Uh, and it was before I started flying around the world, then yeah. <laughs> it got a little bit more expensive, you know, getting to Anna, you know, Antarctica and getting to Asia, um, you know, is, is, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it can be a budget buster for a lot of people, especially if you don't build up frequent flyer miles uh, with your normal job, which I'm very thankful. I, I, I get a lot of miles, you know, when I, you know, travel for work. So I was able to cut some costs um, that way, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it's, uh, that's how it started. What do you do for work? So I'm, I'm a supply chain um, person. So I work in, you know, uh, various companies. Um, I teach at Wayne State University in Detroit, where I teach supply chain management, but we're largely focused on what we call the procure to pay process, right? We, we, we buy materials for the auto industry, and then we have to manage the shipment of those materials into the, our plants. And then, and then, uh, you know, we manufacture whatever part it is, depending on who we're working for. And then it's got to ship out uh, to the uh, uh, OEM who makes the cars, like a Ford or a Chrys, uh, Ford or a GM or um, uh, any of those Tesla. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to you know manage our purchase price. We're trying to manage how much material we have in the plant. Um, it's not real glamorous, but it's it's like a puzzle. So you're always thinking about you know what's the best way to do it. What's the mm. best you know when? How often do we want to bring it in? Uh, because, you know, in, in, in the automotive, you know, the, it's such a tough industry and, and the margins are th so thin, uh, you're largely managing your inventory and your dollars. And so that's where we come in. And uh, I've been in, in this line of work for, for a long time and, and uh, enjoy it immensely. Um, and uh, because of the nature of it, you get to travel a lot, you know? Yeah. So you're always on the road building up those miles. Yeah, no, um, definitely. It sounds like you work a lot with, uh, with efficiency. And I guess that kind of ties into your mindset as a marathon runner, right? You have to make sure that you conserve your energy during a marathon. So you have to use your body in the most efficient way possible. Yeah, you know, it, it's a funny thing. But you know, when when you're, when you're training for a marathon, um, no matter what you have to do at the office, you seem to wake up in the morning and say, Okay, when am I going to get my training in? Um, you know, there were days that I'd get up at three 30 in the morning and run 20 miles and then go to the, go to the office. Right. And, yeah. and so you're always trying to figure out, okay, when am I going to fit everything in? And then, um, when you're, when you're running and actually, you know, running a marathon, you know, there's a lot of different approaches, a lot of different strategies. And, and again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a middle of the pack guy, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not winning the races. Um, but I'm, I'm trying my very best to, uh, um, you know, hit, hit my goals. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot that you learn over a couple of races, you know, between, you know, you know, your first race and your 10th race, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned about your body, 
about how your body reacts about, you know, fueling, uh, your body and, and what kind of rest you need, you know, during the training process. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't repeat races that often, um, just because there's so many great places to visit. So, um, you know, every, you know, every race is different. Some are hot, some are cold, some are hilly, some are flat. And so you've got to adjust your plan and, uh, you know, and, and, and just manage your body and, 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 you know, listen to it, right? I mean, you, you've got to know when there's a, an appropriate time to rest and you got to know when it's appropriate time to, to, to really push. And so I've been, you know, lucky enough to, to do that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, everything opening up again uh, yeah. this spring. Uh, I got a half marathon coming up in a couple of weeks that I'll get out and just stretch my legs on and get a feel for. And then, you know, next, you know, this coming fall or winter, you know, I'm, you know, I've got my eyes on a couple of trips. If they can open things up, you know, I'm ready to travel and, and to uh, um, experience things. Um, I've been fortunate that as I've done these races, I tend to take time to enjoy the environment, the community. So I'll try not to go in just for a day, but I'll try to go in and stay for, you know, three days, four days, even two weeks uh to make a trip out of it and really enjoy it and uh and and as, as i as i said you know as i sit back and reflect on it there are a lot of lessons that i learned and took from these you know seven continents um and and you know some of these continents i've run a couple times um you know because there's various races there that i wanted to run um there's a you know there's you know all these major races kind of like, you know, NASCAR, where there's these big races that everybody wants to run and run, you know, marathoning is the same way. And it's such a great community, um, you know, and supportive and people that want, you know, when you get there, there's really no competition because there's, there's either a hundred people or there's, you know, yeah. 10,000 people, <laughs> right. And, and you're all there to support each other. But uh, in, uh, in North America, you know, what I really learned was that, you know, there's, there's no one that supports you like your family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I've run a number of marathons in North America and number of races. Um, but the one I count as the, the official kind of towards my seven continents is, is the Detroit marathon, right? And that's my hometown. And, um, uh, you know, it's, you know, for those of you that live in Detroit, it's, it's kind of unusual, um, uh, it's an unusual race because it's, I think the only marathon where you actually run a mile underwater. And so you kind of run above, uh, over the ambassador bridge into Canada, then you run through downtown Windsor and then you go through a, an underwater tunnel back to Detroit. So it, it's, wow. it's kind of unusual and it's, and it's so cool. You, 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 you come out of the tunnel and it's echoey and people are yelling and cheering and you come out and there's just this rush of cold air. And there's this, you know, there's this all of these people that are there supporting you, right. There's, there's the, you know, the, uh, the security people from border protection, you know, kind of, you know, watching to make sure no one's, you know, running in that shouldn't run in. <laughs> yeah. And of course. Uh, you know, but that's, that's the race where, you know, my, my family's generally there because I can't always take them with me on these trips. 
And so, you know, my wife was there, my kids are there and I stop and high five, you know, my kids, they were smaller then, but uh, there's a, you, you come, you kind of run into Detroit, back in Detroit, and then you, you kind of run down the, the, uh, the river and you go on to an island called Belle Isle and it's a, it's a state park. It's a five miles around. It's a beautiful island. Um, and it's windy and cold. But when I, when I got to the island, my, my mother was there and she you know, had a sign that, that said, Oh, Mike. Right. And then uh, when I come off the island, my mother was there and, you know, my m- mom's in her, in her, uh, um, uh, she's probably, she was in her late sixties at the time. Um, now she's, you know, a little bit older than that, but yeah, I came off the island. She had a big sign that said, go Mike. And, uh, you know, I had, that was my best race. I ran like, I ran like a, like a three hour, 38 minute marathon, which anytime you're below four, you know, I, I always feel really good about that. Um, but you know, afterwards, you know, I, I, I asked my mom, I'm like, you know, you know, it took me, you know, a half an hour to get around the island. And, and I, and I asked her, I said, how long were you out there? Cause you were waiting for me and, you know, to come by that, you know, to get there the first time, the second time. And she said, I was out there for hours. And I'm like, why? And she said, you wouldn't believe how many people are named Mike. And so <laughs> she just stood out there and wished every Mike a great race. She's every, she was everybody's mom that day. Right. No one will support you like family like that. Right. It's such a special thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you can in- encourage someone uh, to be successful, to, 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 mm-hmm. to, to live out their dream. And, uh, and early on when I was running, you know, you, you know, your body doesn't even know if you can do it. You know, you've, you've done the training, you've run the miles, but anything can happen. Right. And so having that encouragement uh, is really important. And, and that was, uh, you know, that was a story that, cause I've run in North America, I've done the Marine Corps and Chicago and New York and all great races, you know, I mean, New York is amazing, but to, um, but you know, your hometown race and we have your family there is really important and means something. And, uh, um, but where I got the bug for traveling and running, I had run a half marathon in, in the Netherlands on a work trip. I had some friends that wanted to run and, and he just was like, uh, you know, you know, you're there and, you know, your people are cheering for you and you don't understand a word they're saying, right? They're yeah. just cheering and encouragement. And so I got back from the Netherlands from running the Venlo half. And I looked at my work schedule and said, where do I have to go? And, and I had to go to Brazil. And so I called up a running buddy of mine and I said, you know, do you have any interest in going and running a race in Brazil? And he immediately said, I've got lots of frequent flyer miles. I'll meet you there. Cause I had to go for work. So I, yeah. I didn't have to spend any money on the trip. And, uh, and he said, I'll meet you there and we'll go run the Rio de Janeiro marathon. Wow. And, and, uh, you know, it was there, you know, cause that was only, that was my, my second marathon. Um, so I didn't really have any experience. I just was like, I, I, I want to travel and do this. And, and that was where I, I learned that you can accomplish more than you think you can. Um, you know, that was, you know, running a marathon is a stretch. The first one was a stretch to actually get that, that mm. 26.2 in. And, you know, Rio's beautiful. I mean, what you see on TV and there was an Olympics there years ago and it was, it was beautiful. 
and you know you're on the beach and and you're really enjoying you know all the sights and we did all the tours and and made the most of it and it was just you know the beaches is just breathtaking but uh you know we got up in the morning and uh it's one of those races a lot of them are are basically loops detroit's a loop you start and finish at the same spot right so it's pretty easy to, you know you park your car and you and, and you and you go run um but uh, Rio's um, a little bit different in that the starting line is 26.2 miles away from the finish line. So you have to take a bus or have someone drop you off hmm. all the way down the coast. And it's a beautiful run. It's up, you know, you're, you know, the, the ocean is, is on your right the entire way. And wow. so it's just, it's, it's really cool. Um, but uh, there was a mishap and the bus that was supposed to take us from the hotel didn't show up. And so we're kind of in a panic, you know, we're all looking at each other. Everybody that's there is like, Oh, what do we do? What do we do? And so we started jumping in taxi cabs. Well, um, knowing your way around your city is not a requirement in Brazil. You just have to have a car. So the taxi driver didn't know where the marathon was starting, didn't know where he was going. And so he actually dropped us off two miles from the starting line and 20 minutes after the race started. Um, you know, so we were literally the last four people to start the marathon, you know? So yeah. you know, he drops you off and you've got to run two miles to the starting line. So that day, you know, I ran 28, 28.2 miles. That was the farthest I've, I've ever run. And, and you, we, we literally were like running together and we're like, how do we dig in to run this extra two miles? Now, extra two miles doesn't sound like much, but you tack it on the end of, uh, you know, 26 and you're running it's a, a lot. lot of miles. And yeah, and I've, I've, you know, I've had some longer runs since then, but that's when I realized that in my head, I could only run 26.2, but if I wanted to complete my goal, I had to do more than I thought I could. I had to really mm. stretch. And I think everyone has that ability to dig down deep and do what's important when they need to. And, and you, you know, you hear stories of heroism all the time, you know, people that, you know, do these incredible things that they never thought they could do, but when they needed to, they did more. Right. And, and it's always remarkable to, to, to see that. And we see that, you know, I mean, people, you know, you know, especially with, you know, the times that we're in that are doing more for others that, you know, they, they may not have ever done before. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's incredible. And so that day, um, my friend and I um, were, were, were really, you know, keyed up on, and, and, um, and that, that was the day that we registered for Antarctica. Um, and so it, it, it's a four-year waiting list to get in. Wow. But we signed up. And, and so, um, so, you know, and my, my friend runs a lot, you know, he does a, a ton of running and does a lot of tries and such. And he was like, yeah, we'll do this. We'll do this. He's an adventurer. Well, and meanwhile, I get home and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got, you know, I got North America done. I got South America done. And I just registered for Antarctica. That means 
that to get to my seven marathons, I've got to, I got to run four more marathons right in between that time. And so I signed up right away to go to Africa. And, uh, um, I went to, uh, to Kenya and I ran, um, the Safaricom marathon and, and it's, um, it's, 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 it's not a big marathon. It was my first small marathon. There's only 120 runners, right? And so, you know, you, you, you fly in uh, to Kenya and it's, it's several hours out of uh, their capital city. Um, and, uh, and you're immediately, you're immediately um, kind of out in the wild, right? So you're, you know, on the good days you're in a hotel, but for the majority of it, you're actually in a tent. And it's a nice tent, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you know, you've got a, you've got your own bathroom, right. You know, behind the tent and a shower, but if you want to take a shower, you've got to like contact somebody and they bring over hot water and put it up above the tent so you can pull the chain. Um, and um, so it, the, the marathon was on an 86,000 acre uh, savanna. So, you know, you're out running and there are rhinos and elephants and lions and giraffes all around you. And you're not, it's not like the zoo where there's a barrier. It's yeah. you're on a dirt road. And, and so we're on safari the night before and we're looking at their signs with mile mark, uh, kilometer markers like 20, 15. And we're like, yeah. oh my gosh, we're on safari tracking jaguars, you know, in, in, on the very road that we're going to be running tomorrow. And so, what they did was they flew helicopters overhead to scare away the big game. Cause you know, you know, they don't want to interact with humans, you know, any more than you want to interact with them really. So they had helicopters flying over and they had armed Rangers at certain points uh, just to make sure things were safe. And uh, that race was all about, you know, charity. Right. And, and if there was one place that I went where I think, changed my perspective of the world. And, I, and I've been traveling, you know, for years to automotive, you know, manufacturing locations. Mm. Um, but when I went to Africa, what I saw cha- you know, really changed me. And, and it was not as much the things that I saw, but the people that I met, you know, the, the gratitude that they showed for what they have. And, and I, you know, we all, have some sense of gratitude within us. And we just have to find, you know, that gratitude, what we're thankful for. And especially, you know, I keep saying these tough times, right? And so um, we did a couple really cool things besides this race. Um, uh, We visited uh, a water project, you know, where they, you know, pump water to a village where it's clean and people will walk four or five miles to get fresh water, right? And so we got to visit a water project. We got to visit a school, um, you know, with, it's a, you know, dirt floor school and, and, you know, the climate there and, and the conditions, you know, when you were in, in, in grade school, you know, there was a poster on the wall with the alphabet, right? And, and they had the same thing there, except because of the water and, and the conditions, everything would be um, sewn into um, like a, a piece of fabric that they would hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. And not only was it the alphabet, but they would have basic instructions for safety. Like if you cut yourself, you know, things that we would take for granted, you get a Band-Aid, 
But there, if you cut yourself and don't treat it, you could get an infection and you could die. And so, um, you know, just these basics of, of life, right, that we consider basic to them is, is, is um, you know, badly needed. And so we, we filled up, you know, the, these, you know, probably, you know, these big um, duffel bags full of school supplies to bring to the schools, right? And we all collected stuff and, and we brought it in. Um, but the, 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 the thing about Africa was um, that was the race where my friends and family started to take my goal seriously, right? It wasn't just yeah. something you say when you're at the bar one night, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go run a marathon in every continent, you yeah. know, and like, <laughs> well, you know, you, you ran Detroit, you ran, all right, you did Rio. But when you yeah. actually, you know, spend the money to go, you know, spend a week and a half, um, you know, traveling through Africa, people start to think, man, this, this, this guy's a little crazy and he's serious about this. And, and that's where, you know, my, you know, my coworkers got behind me, my boss got behind me. Cause you come home and you're, you're showing them these amazing pictures of, you know, I probably went on, you know, nine safaris while I was there and you're showing yeah. these pictures. And so the, the people around you get behind your goal right? Mm -hmm. You know, your coaches and your, you know, people you run with. And, um, I had one goal when I, when I went to that race, I wanted to beat one Kenyan, you know, cause they're <laughs> traditionally, you know, a lot faster than we are. And so, um, and, uh, you know, there's only 120 runners and I, I probably I, you know, beat a dozen of them. It was so hot and hilly. It was just, you know, it was the most challenging race. Um, one of the most challenging races I've run. Um, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we were taking sponges the size of bricks and they were just in cold water and we were just taking them and dumping them over our heads, just any kind of relief from the heat. It was, you know, it was just the, at the start, it was fine, but at the end it was just unbearable. And uh, um, so really, uh, really cool, you know, to have, you know, your friends and, and people would rally around you and your coaches rally around you. Um, Cause you can't do this alone, right? It takes a team of people uh, to, to get you there. And mm -hmm. when I ran um, Asia, I really learned that, right? Is, is it, it, it takes a team of professionals to get you across the finish. And I, I, and I always tell people, you know, professionals hire professionals, right? You know, it, it, it's, it's one thing that, you know, be a DIY, get you know DIY guy and 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 repair some things yourself. But when it's really important, you know, you hire a real estate agent, you hire, you get an engineer. You know, you don't do it yourself. You hire the people that are really good at it when it's really important. And um, mm -hmm. when I ran Asia, the race that I I chose to run was Tokyo because it's it's one of the majors. And uh, and again, a remarkable run. It's like it you know it's a city run, so it's good pavement. Um, you know, unlike Africa, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And you're running by these Shinto shrines and Buddha shrines. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a hip injury going into it, but it's not like a race where you just say, well, you know, I got an injury. I'm not going to run it. And you're out $45 or a hundred dollars, or in the case of a real expensive race, like, you know, New York is, I think around 300 bucks. And you're just like, mm -hmm. well, I can't run it you know, you know, forget it, you know, the money goes away. You know, when, when, you, when you're planning a trip to Tokyo, 
um, you know, the flight's expensive, the, the, you know, mm-hmm. everything is expensive about it, right? You're, yeah. you're sinking thousands of dollars into this race. So even though you've got an injury, uh, you're, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to do anything you can to get there. Mm. And again, I'm not racing to win the race. I'm race race running it to finish. So whether I do a, you know, a 340 or a 440 doesn't matter to me, right. I'm there for the experience. So, um, uh, you know, the, first of all, the Tokyo race is really cool because you're running by these shrines, but a high percentage of the people are dressed up in costumes because it's just the thing that they do in Japan. They're all dressed as, cartoon characters and video game characters and Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse. I mean, a lot of them. And, um, and there's nothing worse for a runner to be beaten by someone dressed as a giant M&M candy. Right. And, um, and so I, I get there and I'm supposed to, you know, I was supposed to start, uh, we start, in, they start races in corrals. So the fastest people in front and the slowest people are behind. So we're not running around people. We're always running with people are like speed. And so I was supposed to be in like the second corral or the third corral, you know, B or C, something like that. Um, Cause I was running fairly well at the time. And the vast majority of people in these big runs don't, you know, they don't run that fast, right. They're running mm-hmm. for the experience. So because my hip was bad, I, I purposely went all the way to the back and started in one of the last corrals, which would be like J. So to give you an idea of how many people it takes to go from A to J, that's, that's about 30,000 runners that are mm-hmm. all on the streets that day. And it was well organized. And, um, I, you know, you know, it was a tough race when, you know, a hip is an, is an injury and it's, it's part of your body and me- the mechanics that you use every single step. Right. So, you know, I've had other injuries that like, ah, you know, you know, it's a toe and you, maybe you wrap it and, you know, to, you know, there's things that you can do to kind of get by, but a hip is just something you just have to take it slow. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, and again, I had to deal with it. So, you know, I did, I did all the shots. I did everything, you know, my doctors, everybody, they got me to the line, which was really important. But um, at mile 22, um, uh, I passed this guy that was running and he was barefoot and uh, his arms were extended out. And he was, again, everybody's in costume. His arms were extended out and he was fastened to a cross and, and he was running fastened to this cross and he stopped at the side of the road and a random spectator was giving him water. Right. And so, and, and he's only in, you know, in a loincloth. So obviously yeah. he's just as, as Jesus, right. To, to run this race. And, um, and so, you know, he was depending on a team of people, of others, to help yeah. him get to where he wanted to go and to finish. And it, it just it just struck me that, you know, when you're when you're serious about a goal, you need to have a team. You need to build mm-hmm. a team. You can't be afraid to stop and ask others for help, um, to you know, to share their wisdom, to share their mm-hmm. water, and obviously. A little prayer helps, which is, I think, what he depended on. And uh, it was it was a, a moving moment, right, uh, to, to see that. And uh, and then, you know, I, I finished that race. You know, my time wasn't great. It didn't matter to me. But, you know, I got, you know, I got the medal. 
And then uh, from there, I flew to Beijing and climbed the uh, Great Wall of China. <laughs> you know, wow. it was just a remarkable experience, you know, to, to do all that. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, thankfully, I was able to schedule all that around business meetings. So it was really cool. So what's the, uh, uh, the Great Wall then, of China like? Well, um, inconsistent. There is no yeah. step that is the same height or depth. So you're constantly kind of navigating. And I was there on a very high pollution day. And so uh, you, you can only see so far, but the vastness of it was remarkable. Um, you know, when, when you run a marathon, getting upstairs is not so bad, but walking downstairs is very painful because of your, the tightness in your hamstring. So it was a painful experience. Um, but I knew that was going to be, and I've been to China, you know, probably four or five times, but I knew that was my only trip to Beijing. So I, I really wanted to see the great wall. And, um, and, uh, again, it's just, you know, one of the great wonders of the world. And, uh, you know, there's so many great things to see in this world that I don't know how you could ever grow tired of traveling. Right. It mm -hmm. just, uh, was, was a, a, a very cool experience. Um, one that I, you know, I wish I could have, uh, um, uh, you know, done with more people, you know, you want to, you always want to like, ah, I wish I could bring my whole family um, for some of these, but if you're on business trips, you know, combining with, with running, you can't. Yeah. Um, but some trips I've been able to do with, with family and friends. Um, uh, when I, when I ran Europe, um, I was originally trying to run with somebody, but uh, they couldn't do it. So um, I, I was, um, I was supposed to run a marathon in Italy. Uh, I was going to run the Rome marathon and I was actually out there with a friend to share the experience. And I, and again, you know, that I was injured, but that was injury was so bad. I couldn't run. So, uh, you know, you know, uh, my, my buddy and I really just spent the whole weekend in Rome drinking and eating, uh, yeah. <laughs> which was, uh, you know, a lot of fun too, but we didn't get the marathon in. Um, so I had to go back and I was on a timeline because I had to get to Antarctica. And mm. so I'm trying to get these continents done. So I called um, the travel group that I, that I travel with because there's a company that specializes in marathon training. There's a couple of them, but um, at the time I was traveling out with marathon tours and they're super nice people. And um, the woman that I worked with there, I said, you know, what, what can you get me into in England in the next, you know, you know, period of time, because I'm in shape, and I, I've got flexibility. Mm. And she called me back and said, I've got an opening to run the London Marathon. And uh, do you want to come out and run it? And I said, absolutely. And the, the, the you know, what I learned ab about the experience in running that race is that if you run too fast, you might miss the journey. And, and I don't say that I ran fast, although I ran a pretty good time that race. I flew in um, the country strictly to run the marathon and flew out immediately afterwards. So um, I only spent, I think, 72 or 74 hours in London and completely, you know, missed the experience of, of being in London. And where, you know, I ran past Big Ben, I ran, you know, uh, across the Tower Bridge and, 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 and I finished in the shadow of Buckingham Palace. And it's these beautiful uh, 
beautiful places, but I didn't get to experience any of it because I really just went for the run. And, and one of the things that I always tell people is don't do everything when you travel someplace, skip one thing and give yourself a reason to come back. Yeah. Right? And so I, um, you know, I, I went back with my son to visit London and, and, and kind of did a little uh, UK tour with him. Um, but, you know, 72 hours is not a lot of time when you know you're going to spend a good portion of it at the uh, check-in event, getting your numbers and mm-hmm. a good portion of it, you know, running a marathon and then, and then co- completely collapsing afterwards in, in exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it, it, it's a great race. Um, they, they raise the most money for charity of any race in, in the world. Uh, London, it's all about uh, raising money. And, and it, it was, you know, a great thing, but I didn't, I didn't get to even experience that. I couldn't raise any money. I, it was, it was literally a decision to, to go run this race. And it was all very last minute. And I had, a, I, I'm not sure if I paid a little premium or not, but it doesn't matter. But, you know, when I, when I think about it, it was an incredibly selfish thing to do, you know, to, to, you know, to just up and, fly someplace for a weekend. I left my wife at home and said, I'm going to go do this and, um, and, and, and go, go run this all by myself. And, um, but I'm, I'm glad I did it, but I learned that, okay, when I do these races, when they go on these trips, I want to, you know, bring somebody I care about with me. Um, and I want to take some time to live in the moment, right. To, mm. to kind of bask in it, to, to visit, you know, restaurants and, and, and see what there is to see. And so I, I, I really changed my travel style a little bit. And even some of the trips that I took, um, I didn't, you know, like with my son, I didn't even run. I, you know, I, I ran my normal, my normal training runs, but I didn't necessarily run a marathon just because I wanted to share the location and, and, and share the, uh, hmm. you know, the time with my son, um, which is pretty neat. And, and, um, in my family, my, my father started a tradition that at 15 years old, um, you do a father-child trip, right? And, mm. and at 15, kids still want to spend time with their parents. It's kind of right at the end of that before they become, <laughs> you know, real independent teenagers, right? Yeah. So you get to do that last kind of trip. And, and, you know, traditionally in our culture, you know, the mothers bond with the children because, you know... Uh, they're kind of taking care of the day-to-day needs for the most part of, of the kids. And certainly in, in my household, my wife did the majority of the heavy lifting when it came to my kids and I was working and traveling. And so when it came time to my uh, daughter's trip, my oldest, um, she was 15. And so I took her to the Australian uh, Outback to run the Outback Marathon. Mm. And, you know, we did kind of the tour we you know we um you know we snorkeled the great barrier reef we climbed we did the bridge climb in sydney uh, where you actually you've, you know you've seen the new year's eve fireworks there and we didn't just cross the bridge we climbed the girders to where the flagpoles are at the top you know you're <laughs> awesome. to a wire we did some had some great experiences. I was never so scared in my life, but during that race, you know, we, you know, I ran the Australian Outback Marathon and my, my daughter did a shorter run. And so, you know, we're running up and down sand dunes and, you know, we're, you know, 
keeping eyes open for wild, you know, for snakes and wild camels and kangaroos that you see out there in the outback. And it was an incredible remote, uh, beautiful area because you you run around Uluru, which is the big that big rock in the desert, and so you run around this this giant rock, and um, and it's it just it's a just a beautiful beautiful place, but it's barren, and it and it's so remote that the entire territory, if you compare a territory that that they have to like one of our states, hmm. there are only five porta potties in the entire region. And they booked all five of them <laughs> for their event. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, it's pretty remote when, you, when your state only has five porta bodies available. Um, but, uh, you know, there again, building on that experience of creating memories. In Australia, I, I, I really learned that you need to create memories that outlive the experience. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, you, you take a two year, a two week trip with, with your daughter, you know, it, you know, I learned that you can spend two weeks with anybody. Right. You know, um, challenging conditions. Right. I mean, time zone changes, lack of sleep, a lot of emotions, a lot of pain, a lot of crying. And, and that was me. Right. My daughter was a trooper. She was tough as nails made the, you know, the, the 24 hour flight there and was tough. Um, but it was, it was really hard on, on, uh, on both of us to, to, to actually go through that. But we created these memories that are going to last a lot, you know, her lifetime, not just mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, the, you know, with, with what's happening to the Great Barrier Reef to be able to run that, uh, to, to snorkel that and see mm-hmm. the reef, uh, to hike Ayers Rock, um, to uh, climb the bridge, but I I made her part of my dream, right? Mm. And and I know that I've showed her a little bit about having to dream, right? And so you know, and she's a student uh, at University of Michigan now, and is you know is is doing yoga and is exercising and and doing all the right things, but you know, she had this remarkable experience. So I, I didn't just make my life more interesting. I made her life more interesting, right? It's a, yeah. a story she can always tell about her experiences, right? So now the things that I did are going to outlast me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think we've covered six continents, Yeah, which means there's only one left. <laughs> and, and this was um, pretty amazing um for a number of reasons but antarctica is where i i really learned that you have to listen to your body mm-hmm. you know um the, the the course is is different every year right so you know you you the weather you don't know what you're going to get it's antarctica it can change in minutes uh there's freezing temperatures there's steep hills we had 50 mile an hour wind gusts um, and, and it's really exactly what they promised us, right? The race directors, you know, said, you know, this is, this is going to be, you know, really tough. And, uh, the race was, um, you know, you, you, you get down there and I'll tell you about the trip in a second, but you get down there and you go ashore and you're at the Russian research fest, uh, base. 
And mm. so, you know, they, they go across to set up the race. They bring them a case of vodka. Thank you very much for hosting us. And you're on this rocky shoreline and that's where Russia is. And the race ran um, to the China base. And uh, when the race started, a bunch of people from China showed up and they were going to run with us, right? Because they yeah. are looking for something to do. The Russian, no Russians ran, but Chinese people ran with us. But the, um, the thing that, you know, made it really challenging is that the Russian base and the Chinese base were only 2.17 miles apart. So, yeah. you know, you had to run that same 2.17 miles 12 times. So that big hill you just ran, 12 times. That rocky trail, 12 times. So it was a physical challenge, which all marathons wow. are. But now you had that mental challenge of running the same exact thing. And so you, you, know, you start the race and you drop a water bottle and then you run two miles out and you drop another water bottle. So you've got you know, water to drink because it's completely self-supported. Yeah. You can't leave, you know, you can't leave any trash. So anything you have with you, you've got to take with you. And so you're very being very careful. Um, and the, the race certainly was the highlight of a two week trip for me. Cause I went and I, I did some work in Brazil, um, before I went down and then we met in Buenos Aires and enjoyed ourselves there. And then we fly to the this most Southern point of Argentina and then hop on this boat. So, the, the boat ride or the, you know, the, the, the cruise ship um, wasn't exactly a cruise ship. Yeah. It was a 330 foot long Russian research vessel. So it was about the size of a football field, which is not real big. And we were on it for two and a half days to get to Antarctica. And it was two and a half days to get back. And the waters down there are rough. And so, you know, we've all been on boats and it's been a rough waters. Yeah. Well, down there, rough waters means 30 foot swells. Mm -hmm. So it's more like what you see in the movies. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine, you know, you're, you're in between 30 foot swells. So, you know, yeah. it's the size of, you know, the height of a, a three story building. Mm. It's gotta be scary. And, um, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's scary but just walking around, it's, it's like you just drank 14 gin and tonics. Yeah. You, you can't keep on your feet. And, yeah. and, and so, um, but the, but you know, the experiences of the penguin colonies, the glacial climbs was fantastic. Yeah. And, and preparing for such a race is key. Right. And luckily mm -hmm. I live in Michigan, so it's pretty cold. So we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, runners in generally are, are, are really in tune with their bodies, you know, uh, we know if we've got a hangnail, we know because, you know, it's just what we do, right? We're always thinking about it. Um, and so we're aware. Um, but, you know, I, I really struggled with that race uh, in Africa, which most people do because it is really tough environments. Um, and I found myself resting from time to time during the last 10 miles. It, it's a hard course. And, and um, but, you know, the thing was, is that I had trouble going into it with my training. I wasn't, mm -hmm. I didn't have the same energy that I usually have. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I just, the training didn't feel right. But again, I mean, you know, this race, you know, this is a $10,000 race and, yeah. and you've, you're, you're on a waiting list for four or five years to run it. So you got a lot invested in it, right? You got a lot mm -hmm. of money invested in it. All your friends are like, you know, all right, he's got the last one. He's going to do it. Um, and I, and I, and I really struggled. And when I, 
got, you know, before I left, I, you know, I, I, I made sure I, I, you know, as with all these races, you got to make sure you've got the shots for all these things. And I, and for this one, because I wasn't feeling well, my doctor had me go take a stress test to, to, you know, to, you know, make sure everything, my heart was working and everything was good. And I passed it. Um, but when I got back, you know, I told him about how I struggled and, 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 um, you know, my doctor who, and, and I'd run a marathon with my doctor. I ran Detroit with him. So we're good friends. And he said, you know, I think you're, you know, maybe burned out or a little, you know, stressed. Um, but you know, we talked about it and he said, I want you to go get another stress test, but this time we're going to do a nuclear stress test where they actually inject the dye in your blood. And, um, and so, um, uh, I, I, I went and had the stress test done and the, they were like, ah, you're a marathoner. You're, you're, you know, you're strong. Your heart's fine. Don't worry about it. The doctor will call you with the results in four or five days. Uh, the doctor called me in 20 minutes and said, we need to operate. And, uh, and so what they found was a 95% blockage in my LED artery, which is the widow maker. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they, uh, they repaired it. I actually had two angioplasties because of this one was just to check on how, how well it went. Um, but they put a stent in and, and, um, you know, it was, you know, they tell, they tell heart patients, don't, don't shovel the snow. You know, there's a big snowstorm. People have heart attacks when they shovel the snow. I, I ran a marathon in Antarctica with a 95% blockage, um, if I had had a heart attack in Antarctica, I would have died. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no getting out of it. There was a doctor on the ship, but she's, mm-hmm. you know, she's taking care of, you know, seasickness and you know, yeah. muscle injuries. <laughs> she, you know, they, they don't have they're you know, this, this boat, they, they, they don't have the necessary equipment to treat somebody. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in it, you know, getting me out for a bypass is just out of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was surprised, you know, my, my doctor that I go to, you know, and I go to the doctor because I'm diabetic every three months, you know, he was really surprised because there were no, there were no strong symptoms of any mm-hmm. kind of problem because as a runner, my heart is very strong yeah. and I didn't really have a heart problem. I had, I had an artery problem mm-hmm. and so it didn't show up. And so had it not been for my, you know, my listening to my body um, and my experiences and running marathons and such, there is a good chance that eventually I would have had a heart attack mm-hmm. um, and I would have never known about the blockages, but it was because I listened to my body and I continually questioned and, and raised my head and said, something's mm-hmm. not right, that I got these tests and, 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 uh, you know, and, you know, I have a brother who's 40, well, now he's 49, but he had a heart attack at 45 and he just had a, another heart attack just this past um, wow. holiday season. And, and he's, he's fairly active, but he goes through, you know, ups and downs mm-hmm. where he'll be working and spend a lot of time at his desk and not active. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it can be a problem if you're not mm-hmm. listening and this, you know, and, and, uh, I was very fortunate, um, cause I, you know, at the time I, I was 50 years old, you know, mm. which is, is young. Uh, you know, when you hit 50, it's young. Um, maybe when you're 25, it sounds pretty old, but, um, but it's, but, um, uh, you know, you, 
you know, what, what you take from all this, you have to question, you know, okay, why was I allowed by, you know, why did I uh, complete that marathon in Arizona, complete my seven marathons and, and not have a heart attack? You know, mm-hmm. what, you know, you start to, you know, kind of think about, you know, what your purpose is, you know, and, and you, you spend your, your first, the first 50 years of your life kind of figuring out who you are and what you're doing, mm. right? You're, you're kind of, you're going to school, you're, you know, you're, you're having fun. You're, I was playing music. I was, I got, you know, I got a real job and got married and had kids and, and did all these things um, kind of, you know, you know, built, built my resume. Right. And then as you accomplish those things and really understand who you are, then you start to work on writing your eulogy, right? It sounds kind of funny, but <laughs> you know, you know what you what you do, who you are, who you impact. You know, you don't really get that until you come to some part of realization of who you are. And um, you know, and so, you know, I was, you know, I've been able to run a number of marathons since I ran these seven, and and been able to participate in you know in a couple of charities that mean a lot to me and. And certainly, uh, you know, I, I'm an ambassador for Lululemon, which is, you know, great. It allows me to uh, meet a lot of people and share my story with a lot of people. And so, you know, now, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the purpose that, you know, I have this kind of, you know, sharing, you know, my story and encouraging other people to achieve what, what their goals are. And, you know, I've, I've been teaching, you know, at Wayne State now, uh, you know, a couple classes a semester for, you know, now it's 19 years where you, know, you meet with students and you mentor students and you help them achieve and try to make a difference in someone's life. And there's, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction that, that comes from that. And, uh, you know, I'm just really uh, looking forward to, uh, um, you know, you know, this period of time passing where people can get back to normal and races can start and people can start interacting and, uh, and developing the goals that they want to achieve. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, life is too short. And uh, it's sad that we're all spending a year, you know, kind of secluded in our houses. So I hope everybody, you know, it's, this is gonna, you know, impact everybody's psyche, you know, uh, going forward, we'll, we'll tell these stories forever um, about what we've experienced, what we've gone through. Um, but, um, you know, we've, you know, we've got to get back to some normalcy and, and people start dreaming and start experiencing the world again. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I've already got my eyes on a, a marathon in Asia that I want to run. Yeah. I've got some friends <laughs> that live in Vietnam. And so I'd love to get to, get, get to, to Vietnam and run a marathon there and, and, and visit a part of the world that I haven't seen. I would love to go to Vietnam. Yeah. It, so, I mean, but you know, travel, it, it'll change you. Yeah. And, and, uh, I remember growing up meeting people that have never left the county. It's like, boy, mm-hmm. you really there's a lot to see, and I'm not I'm not yeah. going to be that person. And and uh, yeah, and it's all because someone that mentored me and influenced me, you know, mm-hmm. helped me understand that there was more out there. So I've been the beneficiary of good mentors and good teachers. So that's you know, but that that's you know my seven marathons or my seven continents, my seven marathons on seven continents and the life lessons I learned and, and, uh, I'm, I'm a lucky, you know, very, very fortunate 
inter- individual to, you know, led, you know, such a life, you know, I, I came from a, a family of auto workers, right. And mm-hmm. then auto workers became managers and became business owners. And, 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 and so, you know, our, it, it's, you know, my family's, you know, the story of any, you know, family of immigrants. Right. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I often wonder what my grandparents would think if they could, you know, kind of see what I've been able to do and experience. Cause you know, they worked their whole life to, to come to America and here I've worked mm-hmm. my whole life to get out of it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, I, I got to see the world. So I'm, but I'm sure they'd, they'd be, they'd be impressed. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely awesome in this, in this modern age that, uh, that we're able to even do things like that, you know, travel the world, uh, you know, uh, collaborate with all these people in different countries and, uh, and I mean, run marathons in all seven continents, run a marathon in Antarctica. Um, but I did have a question. So were you wearing a coat yeah. in Antarctica? Yeah. So you, you definitely gear up, but you know, it, it wasn't that different from running, you know, here in Detroit in the wintertime, you know, you, you, you're wearing, you're wearing layers. And the hardest part is then in Antarctica, there'd be periods where the sun would come out and you'd be overheated. And so you'd kind of strip, you know, take off your gloves, take off your hat to let the heat escape. And then a couple minutes later, it would be incredibly cold and you're putting things yeah. back on to try to warm yourself back up. And um, we eat these things called, you know, kind of like a goo, you know, that we, we, there's different products, but it's basically nutrition while you're running. And it was the only place I'd ever been uh, or any run that I've been on where it actually started to freeze up because usually wow. it's a real loose liquid, right? And it, yeah. it got thick and I was like, wow, this is so different, you know, than, than, <laughs> than running at home. And because, you know, you know, again, it, it, the temperatures fluctuate, um, but it was just you know, it was a challenge because of the terrain, because of the temperature, the winds. And again, you know, the field of runners um, makes it difficult. They, mm. they can only bring a hundred people ashore um, per the, uh, you know, the treaty. And so you, a you know, hundred people come ashore and then, you know, a good part of them are doing a half marathon and part of them are doing the full marathon. So had we been doing a loop like in Africa, Africa was two half marathon loops. So you go around once then you go around twice. Um, and, um, but uh, in, in uh, because Antarctica was only 2.17 miles, you know, you've just spent a couple days traveling to people. So you, you get to know people, you know, you're at the bar at night and you're getting to know people from all over the world and you're running by them at least 12 times because you're going back and forth on the same two miles. So like, Hey Jim, Hey, you know, and talking to people. Um, but, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was an experience, uh, and I still look at the pictures I'll go in and the, you know, the, the first iceberg I've ever seen, the, yeah. you know, the penguin colonies, you know, all the things, climbing glaciers, all those things that, that I did, um, were, were remarkable. So, you know, for me, it wasn't so bad cause I'm from Michigan um, and you know, cold weather as well. And, you know, if you, and, you know, no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. So you're, if you're prepared, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but I ran with some people from Puerto Rico, from Texas, um, and from places where they're just not, you know, cold blooded, you know, they're, you know, they're used to hot weather and, yeah. um, and they, they suffered. I mean, they were really, really cold, um, where I was, uh, yeah, 
it's like okay i i got this you know, <laughs> yeah you know, i had to deal with the exhaustion and and what i now know was the heart issue but it really wasn't too bad you know it was you just you know um you're you're once you've run a couple of marathons your body knows what to expect yeah um your your body you know you're you 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 get naturally nervous. Your digestive system usually kind of clears itself out because your body knows it's about to do something really traumatic, and that's why you see long lines at the porta potties before runs because everybody's mm-hmm. nervous and and such. And you go through all that no matter what race you have, and your body's um, you know kind of takes over. And then you you know to some degree you have to trust your training for any race and and don't try to achieve more than you're capable of and know uh, what you can and can't do and so you know you, you know how you feel that day did you sleep well did you train well um and then adjust your plan it's like mike tyson said everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the face so you you, yeah. you toe the line and you've got a plan and then you adjust so um but it, you know it's it's been uh you know a, just a fantastic journey a great hobby i've met so many wonderful people runners it, it's a very supportive community mm-hmm. you know that 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 running community and everybody wants everyone to you know accomplish and 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 be healthy and, and be safe and i meet new people every week i show up for a run you know and there's someone new that shows up and and um and uh you know and it is kind of it's it is kind of cool where they're like where have you run i'm like you know I've run all seven continents and, <laughs> you know, and, and really, you know, I haven't run any more marathons than any, any of my friends have. We've all run, you know, kind of, you know, that 10 to 20, you know, count of marathons. The only difference is I bought airplane tickets and, and made an adventure out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know people that have run Detroit, you know, 10, 12, 14 times, 20 times, cause they love the race and they run it they run it every year where i just i like to run different races the only race i've ever repeated is the uh, marine corps marathon in washington dc and that was really by accident because i had somebody that wanted to run it and so they needed you know someone to 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 be with them so i agreed but it's it's um um you know i keep looking for that that next location that next adventure so good hopefully yeah, I'll keep going. That's, you know, knock on wood, yeah. right? You want to keep, keep going. I'm, I'm uh, 55 and, and, um, you know, with the exception of this little time period that we're in the middle of, um, yeah, I've been able to get, you know, get my marathons in and run the races that I want to run. And, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep going as long as I can. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And, um, um, I, I just hope I get to see at least, at least a quarter of what you've, you've gotten to see in your life. So. Yeah, you will just make a point of it, set a goal and tell people about your goal. Then you're committed, right? (laughs) Yeah. You you, want to be the guy that, uh, accomplishes what they say they're going to accomplish. Right. And you're doing it, right. You got a podcast. I'd love to have a podcast. You're doing it. Um, so you can, you know, you can do amazing things and I know you will. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Mike. Um, and for all you out there that have any questions, um, if you have any questions for Mike, you know, I can, I can forward it to him. Um, just email into 
www.the.absurd.podcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening.